never underestimate a badass basic bitch. I'm Courtney. I'm done fitting into what everybody else needs me to fit into. And I'm Brianna. You are the only one that can make this change. We're here to bring you the Badass Basic Bitch Podcast. We're going to share the untold stories and dive deep into the shit nobody talks about. Buckle up. We're totally unfiltered. About to get very sassy and inviting you into some of our most intimate conversations. Welcome Welcome to to the the Baddie Bee Club. The energy to get a plane off the ground is so great, but like once it's in the sky, like that fuel consumption like lowers drastically. That's like social media and personal brands. Like you start building it, it seems like it's taking freaking forever, but it really pays off. It really does. Welcome back to another episode of Badass Basic Bitch. On today's podcast, we have Danielle Canty from the UK, but living in LA right now. We've converted her. She is the co-founder and president of Boss Babe. And today we're going to talk about growing in your life and career, finding the balance because there is a balance, ladies, and an extra bonus of social media tips because Danielle, you and Natalie grew Boss Babe to 3.5 million followers. So thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited for this conversation. And yes, I am living in LA and loving it. I love America. I'm a convert. (laughs) Yes. Yes. We need you here. We need you here. So we were just talking and you were saying that you moved to LA like one month before complete lockdown. Yeah, it was crazy. In some ways, I feel like so fortunate that I made it in because I think it was like six weeks after I moved, they shut down like any immigration. They shut down all the visa, like places in the UK. And it's just, you wouldn't, I wouldn't have been able to get here. And now I think back, like, imagine, imagine if I was in the UK and Natalie was still in the US, like continuing business would have been so, so difficult. So really, really grateful that I arrived February 2020, moved in with Natalie, <laughs> got locked down with Natalie and her husband. <laughs> you Were you just the third wheel? Like... <laughs> <laughs> well, I was actually with my partner at the time. We since separated. That's a whole other conversation. Oh boy. Um, but yeah, there was like two couples living together in this like little place in LA. Um, and it was actually kind of fun in many ways. It made lockdown like go so much quicker. But then we eventually got our own place in the June. <laughs> and what a, te- a testament to your friendship and the strength because yeah. think like, think about all of the people you could have been locked down with and like, would you have survived that relationship? I don't know. I know, right? I have some really great friends, but I'm like, could I be locked down with you? I don't know. Nancy and I always joke that we're like life wives. (laughs) (laughs) We basically, you know, Nancy's married. I was married. We basically have our own form of a marriage. And there's something that we have to put in a lot of effort with, you know, like with our communication style, with like talking, learning each other. And it really does. I think whenever you're in business with somebody, like you have to make that effort to create the relationship that both of you want. It doesn't just happen overnight. It isn't something that's just like super, super natural. Although mine and Natalie's personalities do very much gel together. We always joke. She's a, I'm a Virgo. She's a Capricorn. So we joke that that really goes well together. And, and then like, if you look at the zodiac signs, they're the perfect match relationships. So 
that makes me laugh. But yeah, it takes work for sure. Okay, so I got to go look and see who matches well with Pisces. I feel like Pisces gets along with like everybody. Yeah, they do. I've got some Pisces in my chart. I think I'm kind of like emotional and like, <laughs> are you emotional? Well, and so that's the funny thing. My mom jokes and she says, I'm so much of an Aries that I came early because I was supposed to be an Aries, but I was three weeks early mm. and made me a Pisces. And I'm like, I definitely fit more with an Aries than a Pisces. I love this tangent. <laughs> yeah, I know. Back, back, to the, back to the order. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, like a summary for our listeners who just may not know Boss Babe and you? Yeah. So a lot of people assume that I was like a born entrepreneur, you know, that building business was something that I always wanted to do. And that actually couldn't be further from the truth. So I obviously grew up in the UK and... When I was really younger, I decided, I was like, I just really want to help people. Like, that's what I want to do. And I became a chiropractor. And yeah, I was like, what? You were a chiropractor? I was like, yes, I was a chiropractor in a previous life. So I went to chiropractic school, graduated, found out that most chiropractors are actually entrepreneurs as well. They set up their own clinics. And I was like, right, I want to own my clinics. And at the age of 23, 24, I said to my boss at the time, he had five clinics. And I was like, hey, can I buy one of your clinics? He, this 50-year-old man, was so taken aback by me. He was like, uh, uh, what? <laughs> um, but I was just like, I knew what I wanted. And I was like, well, if I'm going to get what I want, I need to start like speaking it and asking questions. And what's the worst that you can say? No. And he did say no, but he said, no, come back the next year. So I went back the next year. And anyway, long story short, I ended up building, um, becoming a partner in the fastest growing primary health care brand in the UK. And I was there for um, a really long time up until I was about, well, up until I started Boss Bay. But what happened was in 2016, so as a chiropractor at this time, I was having lots of clinics, but I was in clinic every day. Like I was treating patients. And in 2016, my dad had a skiing accident. And at that point, I really was like on this kind of track. I was on this treadmill of building the life that I thought I wanted to lead. You know, I had a relationship. I had my partner. I had the house. I was building this business. I had like good financial stability. But when my dad had this accident and he was helicoptered off the mountain, transferred to hospitals, he basically fractured his pelvis because he fell off his skis at 70 miles an hour. And yes, that is 70 miles an hour. I'm not even... Well, actually, it was it was 68.9, but I give him the little bit, you know? So he fell off, he fractured his pelvis all the way up, he was helicoptered off, he was going to have to have this major surgery, he was told he wasn't going to be able to um, sit up for three months, they didn't know if he'd ever be able to ski again, all these things. And that was like the fourth day of our holiday. Well, by the seventh day, I had to go home. And I realized in that moment, I'm like, wow, like I'm having to leave my dad in this condition. I have, I felt so restricted. Like I had responsibilities. I had people waiting for me, had those bills to pay. And I was like, do you know what? I actually really don't have freedom. And I might have this financial security, but I hate being at the same place every single day, like having to have this, like my life was governed in 15 minute appointments. And I was like, this is just not what I want. And so I realized at that point, I'm like, wow, okay, I can choose to accept or I can be like, you know what? Maybe I don't have to have this life. My life, life isn't bad, but I want more. And I had this wrestle for a little while, which I'm sure some of your listeners will um, understand. It's like, oh, am I greedy for asking more? Like my ex used to say to me, why are you not happy with what you've got? And I was like, it's not about not being happy for what I've got. But I'm like, do you know what? It's just not, it's just not exactly what I want. And I really believe that if something's not what you want, then 
change it. Like you have that power. Every single one of us has the power to create change in our lives. And I'm not saying that's easy. It's really freaking difficult, but we each own that and we can each do that. So I started going, well, okay, if I don't want this, what do I want? And I started journaling about that and what freedom looked like for me. And then I decided that the best way I could get that was to look into the online space. So what was online business like? What were digital businesses like? What was it like at this time as well? I wasn't even on Instagram, you guys. I was that person in 2016 was like, oh, I have Facebook. I'm far too good and busy for Instagram. <laughs> like, seriously, like what the hell? I look back and I'm like, wow, that was so naive. I didn't need it for my chiropractic businesses. And so I started you know, started really thinking about what does online business look like? And that's when I went to a seminar in San Diego, a Brendan Bouchard seminar in San Diego with, and I met Natalie. Oh my gosh. Chills. Well, and I love that because it's so true. You really do have, it's all within you. And it's not about like, why isn't it not enough for you? Why are you never satisfied? It's more of like this deep, burning and earning of knowing that you're capable of more and that you can you can get more by doing certain things. And it's like, it really does come from within of like, I have to make that choice every day to choose to go to this path to change. Or you make the choice every day to stay where you are and do your 15-minute slot appointments. So it either you probably would have been successful, like different outlines of what success looks like, right? If you stayed as a chiropractor or you went this path, you have this drive in you, this knowledge and like the self-awareness of like, I still have this, it comes within, right? It's not not just given to me. So you do this seminar, you meet Natalie, probably had some kind of conversation where you both connected on the ide- ideology of like, let's do this thing together. Is that right? Is that fair oh, to say? So basically what happened, and this is like something that I've spoken about a few times in our podcast, is like Natalie and I did not know what was ahead of us. So we basically went to this Brendan Bouchard event and we bonded because we were the geeks that were there the whole time. Some of our um, people that we went with, you know, we had some mutual friends who met there. We didn't know each other, but um, some of the people we went with, they were like out and they wanted to like go out in San Diego. Amazing. But Natalie and I were like the geeks. We were like, no, we can't miss any of Brendan's event. Like I'd flown all this way. I was using vacation time to actually go to it as well. And so I was like, no. So we just bonded. And what happened was like, we just ended up cu- like curating a relationship when I went back. So we would just be in touch, etc. And then one day I said to her, like I was building my online following and I'd got this course and I was like, Hey, you interested in promoting it together? She said, yes. And then we just ended up in contact and she told me about this idea for the society, which would actually become our membership. So we have a membership for female entrepreneurs, which we call the society, which is where they connect to build and grow. And so she came to me with this idea and I was like, honestly, Han, that's such a good idea. You should totally do that. Didn't really think anything of it. And then this one Friday night, I was sat there bored and I just started getting some research papers. I was like looking online and I was like, oh, there's some research papers that would help Natalie in her journey. And I just sent them across to her. I'm like, hey, Han, thought about you tonight. Found these papers, thought they'd be really good for you. So we ended up just chatting. And then from there, she said to me, she's like, oh, do you really like this stuff? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, and I really like this stuff. Maybe these are really complementary um, skills. And so that's how it was born. But what I will say in that, and I was talking to um, 
Tracy Tutor for Million Dollar Listing the other day. And we were saying this. I was like, what, what is, what do you attribute your success to? And she was like, my ability to build relationships with other realtors. And I think that's really underestimated in business that people just go in like, what can I get? What questions can I ask? Like they'll go to somebody and be like, okay, I know this person has a following. I know how this person has a business and they'll go in with like certain intentions. Whereas I think most most amazing relationships are built where you're looking for nothing. All you're doing is going to give. Like I had no ulterior motive to giving Natalie those pieces of information, just like she had no ulterior motive for some of the things that she helped me with, but then it just blossomed. And I think that's really the power that gets lost a little bit now. People see a lot of people's accolades right on the front end. So they judge people by how much their following is or what their LinkedIn profile looks like or all these things. And so they go in with like a preconceived idea and a pre-notion around what they want to get out that relationship. And that can actually be really damaging. So just starting to go like, okay, well, what can I give to this relationship versus what can I get out is a really big mindset shift. And one I think has really propelled myself and Natalie and in our business because that's all we ever think about is like, how can we help other people? How can we serve? And when we've led from that um, place, that's what's really helped us grow. I was just having this conversation with a group of women literally last night. We were talking about why don't we create this networking strategic event to get everybody in Austin that is interested in this topic together. It's completely free. And we just get together to feed each other and work off of each other and learn from one another. Because I have a very good strength in X, Y, and Z. And this, like, there could be five people who would really benefit from that knowledge. And it's just that sharing. It's not that like, okay, I don't have this. So who has that? Who can I meet with? Who can I get that from? Right? Like that's like this like take relationship. So it's so funny because I completely agree. And I think that a lot of times, especially with now that your name is associated with a number, yeah, like your name is associated with, okay, you have 50,000 followers or you have 10,000 followers on LinkedIn, whatever that is. It's like people want something from you instead of like, how do we build this community and all leverage each other and grow within this community group? So I would challenge listeners to always think around this. How do you pay it forward? So I always think the person I help might not be the person that gives back to me. But I know the universe, as Gabby Bernstein says, the universe has my back (laughs) and it'll all come back round. So that's a real thing that I challenge a lot of people to think around and growing your business that way really helps with longevity um, because you're building like stronger foundations. I love that. What are some other characteristics that you think shape like a successful woman to hit that six and seven figure income? So first of all, I would definitely say collaboration on that last note because you can't do it alone. And that's collaboration with peers. It's collaboration with employees. And, you know, I think that's really underestimated. I think your ability to collaborate and communicate is going to be one of the biggest levers. Um, I also think consistency. 
um, being able to show up consistently, whether that's growing on social media, whether that's being a consi- like consistent with your values, so people know where they stand with you, consistent with what you are talking about. So you'll become known for something. Your business is known for something. You have an identity. You're talking about that regularly. So consistency. So collaboration and consistency, um, I would say, are the two biggest things. Um, And then I think as well, longevity. And what I mean by that is like being able to show up in a way that's like, you can continue. Like you're not going peaks and troughs. You're not being like, oh my goodness, like full power. And next you just like, you just disappear from everyone. So it's like, you know, what, what is that consistent, um, ability to be able to say, okay, yeah, I'm posting this amount or I'm, I don't hustle like really, really hard and then drop everything. Like this is, this is the flow that I'm in. So I think those three things. Yeah, I agree with that. And especially if you're like, if you're doing a course or you're offering some service or you're doing, uh, selling a product, right? It's one thing to have like, okay, like here's the course, here's the product. And then you get some orders and sales and then you just stop. And then three months down the road, you're like, oh, I'm back again. Like, here's the course, here's the product and try to push that. I think that that comes off as very inauthentic. And I think in today's day and age, I think we're all tired of the word authentic. But I really do think that that might be another characteristic of like, what are your motives what are you, who are you? Are you, are you pushing one product and then a month later pushing another concept or product and they conflict? Like really f- being who you are and not who like what your audience wants to be. Yeah. And I think I'm actually going to add two others because I think there's a really good point. And that's just reminding me of like, one, having the vision. Like I feel like you're not going to build a business unless you have the vision and the knowing that you can do it. So many people start and then give up, right? Yeah. I mean, goodness, like people might look and be like, oh yeah, like it's easy. Boss Babe did this. It was freaking hard, you guys. Like it was so many failures. Like up so many times. Can I swear on this podcast or not? It's called (laughs) Badass Basic Bitch. You can absolutely swear on this podcast. Yeah, like literally there have been so many fuck ups along the way. And I think like holding that vision around what it can become and just finding a way through, like you have to know, I always say it's like starting in LA and you want to make your way to New York. There are so many different paths that you can take. There's so many different routes that you can take. It's not like one is right and one is wrong. You just need to keep moving East. Like just keep going, like find what's east, what's east, what's east. Like it doesn't matter which way you go. Some might be shorter. Some people might make it quicker there. Yeah. But the point is don't give up. And then I think that's the other thing that makes entrepreneurs is like the ability to want to like hold that vision, but to not give up on that vision, to get up over and over again. I think the average toddler falls down like 17 times a day or something. It might even be more than that. Mum's like, it's way more than that. But like when they're first trying to walk, they fall over over and over again. But you don't say as a mom or a dad, like, hey, give up now. You're never going to walk again. Like, no, like, get up, try again, try again. And that's what I think being an entrepreneur is about. And I think people mistake it. People think it's like, oh, you have to have knowledge and you have to have skills. That's what makes a good entrepreneur. No, I think what makes a good entrepreneur is not giving up when most people would stop. It's around being able to push that percentage. Most people will get to 90% 
Like, yeah, I can do this, but it's your ability to go where that last, that last 10% of people can't go or that last 1% of people can't go. Like, what can you dig into that you're like, do you know what? I am not giving up on this. I have this vision. And I think that comes down to your why. Like, why are you doing this in the first place? Like, what makes this so, so important that, do you know what? And I think that's the thing that helped with Boss Babe was I had a good life, right? So I was a chiropractor, I had those businesses, but my why of around, I do not want to be in this position again. I do not want to be having to leave any family member or saying to a family member, I can't be there when they need me. I don't want that feeling again. And that's what really drove me. I was scared. I was fearful. I did not know what I was doing. I did not know about online business. I did not know all these things, but I just had this feeling and this knowing that it was so important for me to do this. It was like the thought of not doing it was actually worse than the fear of doing it. Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. That's what drove me. Absolutely. I and I I feel like our there have definitely been women, especially our listeners, I get messages all the time about this of just I'm so completely torn because I literally cry at night knowing I'm not doing what I want to do, but I also have this immense fear. A lot of it is around financial stuff because it's like I would say 99% of people who start something that are entrepreneurs they're not going to make money right away. Completely. I mean, unless you're like a consulting services, professional services company, like the money's not going to come in. And there's this immense fear of giving up reliable income to go do this thing that you're more gravitated towards. The other thing is when you leave your job, you're not just leaving that steady, predictable income stream. You're also leaving all of these other benefits too. And that can be really scary. Like retirement, for example, your 401k plan, you can't contribute to that when you are a self-paid freelancer. And so all of these financial things add up. Here's another one, health insurance. And most people aren't aware of other options for them out there. And this was something that I always worried about, um, especially when I started a family and I was a self-pay freelancer. So it's like losing that health coverage is really scary. But when you think about it, more than half of Americans are on a high deductible health insurance plan anyway, and they're paying thousands of dollars towards that deductible. And I actually just discovered a company called CrowdHealth. For all of those freelancers listening, it's a better way to pay medical expenses. It's flexible with monthly subscription, and you can see the doctors you want. It's super simple. They have this app and you can utilize the app. CrowdHealth is able to offer amazing prices because of its community of health conscious members. And CrowdHealth isn't a health insurance. It's a community powered alternative with terms and conditions that may apply. I really wish I had something like this when I was a self-paid freelancer and started my own company. I do have a promo code. It is baddie. If you go to crowdhealth.com forward slash fit, definitely check it out. It's really funny. Natalie and I were having this conversation um, on the podcast the other day because we were saying the same thing. And my, my, Natalie was a born entrepreneur, right? So she was always like hustling on that side. I wasn't, like I said, I was a chiropractor. Yes, I went into being an entrepreneur because it had those businesses, but I was in the same position. I had responsibilities. I had bills to pay. I couldn't just walk away. And so one reframe that I do with a lot of people that we work with is I'm like, look, see your salary. When you're starting your side hustle, see your salary as part of your business, right? So let's say you earn a hundred dollars an hour 
in your day job. Okay. Keep doing that as long as you possibly can. And yes, you are going to have to work on the evenings and you're going to have to work on the weekends. I was probably working about 80 hours plus a week when we first started Boss Babe. I, I was hustling hard. Any spare second, I was working on the business. But what I started to do was see my salary. I was like, okay, do you know what? I have this job within the business, within Boss Babe, that's a $20 an hour job. I earn $100 over here. So rather than giving up my two hours to do that job, which is going to cost me $200, why don't I pay someone $40 to do that? Do you see what I'm doing there? That's where I looked at it. So I was like, oh, my salary is part of my new business. So I collaborated that income. I pulled those incomes together. And that really allowed me then to kind of go, okay, I can invest in my business before it's technically earning money because I am the business and I am earning money. So that was a really big reframe into helping us get Boss Babe off the ground. I love that advice. We talk about that on a couple of our episodes and like, look at your hourly rate look at other things that you could give up and how you could outsource that for a much cheaper hourly rate. And that allows you to then reinvest your time somewhere else. Um, And I love this notion of it's okay to do two at the same time. And then get yourself to a point, like have a goal that says, okay, if I'm making $100 an hour, like how do I get myself where in project B... I get myself there and then have that transition plan. And it is hard. This is why not everyone's an entrepreneur. It's fucking hard. It's like late nights. It is weekends. It is early mornings. It is like you're tired. And probably for me, when I was running my own business, like a lot of tears in the shower. (laughs) Oh my goodness. (laughs) Because it was hard. It was so hard. But like, I, for me, like, I always remembered it. It's like, well, what's hard now? Working, like, the hard things now will make for an easy life later. The easy things now make for a hard life later. Like, think about that. Like, think about, like, um, what happens to your finances? Like, what if, or building these businesses, like, it's hard now, but that's probably good. Like, if I think now, 2018 was when we started. That was really, really hard. Like I said, I was working 80 hour weeks. I was doing multiple jobs. Like I wasn't earning as much money as I wanted to. I actually had less freedom, which is the whole reason I was doing it right at that point. But now I have the easier life. Like I get to travel wherever I want to, except with COVID. Ugh, can't get home. But (laughs) outside of COVID, I get to go wherever I want to. I have that financial freedom that I wanted. And so like it does, it does rebalance itself, you know? Well, and this is a good point because there is this balance between yourself internally, but then there's also this other balance of life and career. And I think that there are a lot of women out there who are moms that might have new babies. I'm a mom of three, believe it or not. I have three kids. And we're talking about like, do we add another one to this crazy mix just to keep things chaotic? You know, it's not, it's not spicy enough. Like it's too boring with three kids apparently. So, um, (laughs) How do you find that balance of like the moms who are like, I'm working, I'm a mom, I have mom responsibilities, but then I have this thing that's like, I want to do, but I just don't know how. Um, Or I want to push my career, but I have all these other obligations. Like, what are some general like life balance, work life balance tips? Okay. So I'm full disclosure, I'm not a mom. So I think it's really hard for me to speak in that space. However, I will speak in a space of like being really busy, having family, having commitments, having partners, all those things. 
I always used to strive for balance, right? Like I was a chiropractor and my whole ethos was around like balance, like do this, but also do this. And like, you know, you can have those treats, but also eat healthy most time, right? So I understand that. But what I actually realized in life and business is that striving for a perfect balance was unachievable. It was literally just not like that. And I think we talk around like, oh yeah, like balancing, all these things, but it's just impossible to get those scales to like sit in the middle. They don't. So what I came to terms with was that that there's seasons. Do you know what? Like sometimes I'm going to have extra time on my hands and I can show up for my friends. I can show up for my family and that's great. Other times I'm in hustling mode. Like my business is taking over like what I need and that's okay. And one thing I learned in my 20s, I used to be like a people pleaser and I would find it really hard to just say what I needed or to say that, do you know what? This is, sucks right now, but this is the way it is. In my 30s, I'm way more unapologetic. I'm like, do you know what? To those around me, hey, I am in a season of work right now and I'll just open up something really personal. So I'm going through a divorce right now. So I separated from my husband in January. We've been together 14 years. Wow, 14 years. So it was really hard, but you know what? I had to honestly say to Natalie, I had to own that I was not in a season of work. I was in a season of personal shit. (laughs) And I just said, but I said to her, I'm like, I am so sorry. I am not showing up for the business in the way I would like to and want to right now. And it was so freeing. It was so freeing to let that scale tilt in the way of my personal life and just say, do you know what? I own this. I can't do anything about it right now. I didn't even say to her, oh, I'm going to try my best to tilt. No, I was like, I can't do anything about it right now. This is what you're getting from me. Like I'm, she knew what I was going through and that was refreshing and that was easy. And I think when we own the misbalance or the lack of balance, it's really, really freeing. And so my advice to anyone who's building a business and is struggling with family pieces or like maybe the scales tip the other way sometimes. I mean, like, you know what? I know I'm really unbalanced right now. I know my business is getting so much of my attention. Like I own that. And this is why I see this for us. I see this as a future. I see this in like a year down the line, things are going to be better. I know a year might sound a long time, but in the meantime, we're going to have these holidays and we're going to have these things. And you know what? I like my kids to see a woman working. I like to see the mom working. I like them to see that the life that they have, the house that they live in, the car that we drive, the food that's on this table, it doesn't come easy. It's not given to us and we have to work for it. And I'm hoping that by doing this, some of those like lessons, they're going to see these things and that's going to impact their life in the positive in the future. And so I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't personally think balance exists. Like I don't think everything is always perfectly balanced. I think there's times when things outweigh others and that's okay. But I think the freeing thing piece comes from when you own that. You own that you are not perfect. You own that the balance is tipped one way. That has been the most freeing thing that I've learned. I love that. And it's so true. I like, as you're talking, I just reflected to, I've also been through a divorce and I got remarried this year in May. And um, during my divorce, it was a high conflict divorce. And I, I really took a huge step back from my business and entrepreneurship and didn't work well. I mean, worked part-time for like a year so I could get through that divorce. And I wish I had that advice 
that you just gave. Because when I was going through that, I was so extremely hard on myself and it made it made my emotional being like a huge struggle, anxiety, depression. Like for the first time in my life, I went on um, medication because I couldn't own and accept the fact that it's okay that I'm not doing it all. Yeah. And I think that's such important advice. I love that because it's true. The same with new moms. I had a um, woman on the society come on. We did like group coaching calls every week and she came on and she was like, oh my goodness, I'm so stressed. Like I've got this new one baby and I've got this launch coming up. And I was like, hang on, what? You've got a baby that's like six weeks old and you're planning this launch? I was like, first of all, wow, you are amazing. And second of all, why? Like, and she's like, I feel guilty. Like I've done this. I signed up for this. I said I was going it. I'm like, hey, it's okay. And you get to release that. Like, why don't like just say you're in a season of this new enjoying this new baby. We don't have to be super women all the time. Like, it's okay to be like, do you know what? I have had a baby. I want to enjoy this baby right now. I want to do this in X, Y, and Z. I'm gonna move this launch to next year. There's nothing wrong with that. And I think sometimes we get so tied to our goals in our head that we forget to really check in with ourselves and actually what we want. It's like, oh, we planted this flagpole and we're scared to move it. And like, by all means, those women who do do these things, amazing, good on you. But I just don't, I just want to take away the pressure. I feel yeah. like men probably feel this as well, but I can just speak for being a woman. There's so much pressure around time and achieving things by certain deadlines, whether that's getting married, whether it's having kids, whether it's starting business, whether it's having this certain amount of money. Like we get to like relinquish the control of those things. I firmly believe that you can completely change your life within a two-year period like completely change it. And it's like, gosh, there's so many years ahead. It doesn't have to be this year or next year. It can be after that. And I just think like owning that and you know, you can keep moving towards those things. It just might take a little minute. And whether that's building that business or building that social media following, just start. You don't have to be like out the gate 100%, like flying, flying, flying. Like some people, these success stories that you see, just keep chipping away at it and don't be afraid to move those goalposts if you need to, to support that, um, you know, harmony of living and that roller coaster of life. Yeah, I love, I love that advice. Um, so you're, so this is a great segue into social media and your last point. You guys built this amazing brand, three and a half million followers. I, it's just going to keep growing. It's such an awesome thing. Your courses are amazing that you guys are doing. I know you're, you have a podcast as well. Um, I would love some advice from you got from you in terms of like, what's next? Is it Instagram? Is it TikTok? Like, what are you, what are you seeing that, like, what are the trends for someone that's growing in this industry that they should be looking out for? Oh, I love this question. Okay. So Boss Baby is here. We're here to like, we always say we want to be the brand behind women's success. So that's why we do the products we speak of. That's why we do the, the Boss Baby podcast. Because the more women who are earning more money, I am happy. Yes. <laughs> that's what makes me happy. What I will say with regards to trends, whether it's Instagram or TikTok or like platform trends, yes, it is much easier to grow on TikTok right now because it's been earlier on the platform, the algorithms, those pieces. 
However, one thing I would always take people back to is you have to understand where your ideal clients are, okay? So it doesn't matter if TikTok is growing really rapidly or it doesn't matter if there's opportunity in LinkedIn. It comes back to what brand are you building, who your ideal clients are. That's why, like I started off this story, I wasn't on Instagram because my ideal clients, chiropractic, weren't on Instagram. They were on Facebook. They were searching locations on Facebook. That's why we were growing on that. And Google, like the SEO, those are the platforms that we built businesses off. And so I always just want to bring people into like, hang on a minute, don't look at the trends like that. Look at what business you're building and then segment it from there. So we teach an MBA method, which is magnetize, build, and activate. So magnetize is really about considering that. Well, okay, what what business am I building? What brand am I building? Where are my ideal clients at? And then deciding from there which platform are on. Outside of that, we do know when you're building content, yes, video is taking present most of the social media algorithms right now. We do know that Instagram particularly have been very vocal about that too. We already know that's like how TikTok has been built on. So yes, look at those pieces, but I don't think you should just choose a platform like willy-nilly. I think you should... Willy-nilly, that's such a British thing to say. Um, no, we say that. Oh, you do? Okay, good. Yeah, I say uh, that. People are like, what is that? Willy-nilly. Um, willy-nilly. <laughs> so basically, I would like be considering like, okay, what, am I, what platform am I choosing um, and where are my ideal clients? And that could be, like I said, any of those pieces. So that's magnetized. Like, how can you create that? Build is then leaning into that. So I really think no matter what the trend is, it's not going to work for you if you're not consistently posting. Like we started on Boss Babe, we were posting like once a day. Then we were going onto insights. This is the biggest thing that I see people forgetting to do. Go on your insights. Look, what is performing best? Okay, go and select followers. Okay, well, how, which posts are bringing in the most followers if you're in a growth phase? Do more of those. That's why we went up to three times a day with the quotes because we noticed that those are bringing in the most followers. We're changing that right now. If you go and look at our feed, we're posting differently and we're posting different content because we're consistently analyzing and improving. And that is also what makes a good entrepreneur. If you can pivot, you don't stay with the same thing. Um, you have to pivot and you have to like tweak it depending on what's happening in the world and what's happening in culture. But really starting to put out content that our audience was responding with. I also said something really important, which was we were doing the content like for followers, right? Then we pivot to engagement. So it's all very well building a following, but you also have to keep the followers. You have to keep them engaged. You have to be having conversation. And that's another type of um, content that we teach because there's different types of content. So really like understanding what that is. Again, are you doing more video? Are you doing more, if maybe you're on LinkedIn, for example, and actually that's not what you're, the type of content you're creating and you're doing something else. Like all of these pieces, getting clear and giving yourself a map is really important before you then go on to activate, which is your selling and your monetization. You can't sell if you do not have that like magnetization, that clear brand, if you do not have that consistency and you're showing up. Again, we spoke about this earlier, like people need to know 
who you are and what you stand for. Think about it this way. If your brand is hopping all over the place or if your personal brand is hopping all over the place, people come to Boss Babe because they know they're going to get inspirational content. If we start, and it's sassy, right? That's what people know us yeah. for. If we started doing like, like feel sorry co- like content all yeah. the time, people are like, what? This isn't Boss Babe. And people come for that consistency as well. Same thing around Starbucks, right? How many times do you go to a new area and you look for a brand that you know, because you know what you're going to get in Starbucks. You, It's like, often you won't go to those like little new cafes because you're like, oh, I'm not really going to be sure if they're going to do my certain beverage that I liked in a particular way. So you'll stick with brands. So just remember that and really lean into that because then when, so when we come into that um, activation say phase and that monetization phase, people need to have no like, and trust you. And that is built within those other two pillars of the MBA method. So they're only going to be activated when they're like, yeah, I know who you are. I know what you stand for. And I know that trust. So really just kind of like whatever the trends are doing, sinking in to those three like categories and that those three that roadmap is really important. I love that. So it's like figuring out first and foremost who you are. What's your vision? What's your mission? And what are you the expert in? Are you the expert in empowering women in a very sentimental, like emotional connection way? Or are you the like travel with kids, right? Yeah. Like just a couple examples. There's You could be the DIY person. You could be two, I would say two or three max. Like once you get past three, then people are like super confused. And those three have to tie in together. Completely. And then so it's like post the content. Yeah, look at the trends, figure out, test but look at the data after. Look at how many people are sharing, liking, engaging, um, commenting, et cetera, and see what's working well. And then it's like a combination of things, taking who you're trying to represent, which content pieces are doing well, experimenting, constantly experimenting, and then like finding your own algorithm for success. Does that, does that sound like what you were saying. Yeah. And not being afraid to try new things. I think that's the biggest thing. The the biggest challenge most people have with social media is being able to show up. Now, those who have followed me a long time will know this was part of my journey. I hated being on camera. I, I absolutely hated it. I literally cannot get over to you guys like how much I hated it. I remember doing my first live and I basically jumped onto Facebook live and I was off before even anyone had come on. I was like, hi, my name is Adia. Bye. <laughs> like, and so I just want to reassure people it's okay to be nervous about it. It is scary putting yourself out there. And some of you will be able to do that behind a brand and some of you will need to leverage your personal brand to do that. But like with anything, the more you do something, the easier it becomes. Even with our, when we first started doing our podcast, oh my God, I was freaking terrified. Like I remember Natalie interviewing me and I was like, hadn't prepped for it at all. She was like, let's do it. And I'm like, no, I'm not prepped. She's like, yeah, but if you prep Danielle, you're going to be so nervous. Like I'm doing it now with you. And I was like shaking. So we like interviewed each other. And like now I just jump on a podcast. It's my favorite thing to do. I absolutely love it because I let go, you know, again, those pieces that I spoke about, it's about letting go of perfection, whether that's perfection around balance that we spoke about earlier, or it's perfection around how you show up on social media. People are always going to say things behind your back, like always just get over it and post, know what your why is. And if you want to build a brand, if you want to build a business, if you want to build like a personal brand, 
know that why and freaking do it because it is going to be embarrassing at times. It is going to be painful. You are going to be filled with fear. But the biggest thing about social media is you have to show up every single day. You have to show up when you don't want to. You have to be on there. And you know that now is a currency. Influence is a currency. Yes. It gets you financial freedom. I'm very unapologetically ambitious and I really hate that there's so much stigma around women talking about money and saying that they want money. But if you want to be changing your financial situation and you want to be doing it quickly, building on social media is one of the fastest ways to do that. I completely changed my life within a two-year period, completely. And some people that will take longer. It might take three years. It might take four years. It might take five years. We had a woman, Lily, on the podcast. She changed hers. She was posting on YouTube consistently for five years with barely any other traction. COVID, it just took off like a hockey stick. And now she's like a multimillionaire that didn't happen overnight, but all those things built up to that. The same conversation I was having with another woman the other day, actually Tracy Tutor. She was saying she was a realtor, obviously million dollar listing, absolutely blew her business up. But she was like, do you know what? There were 10 years before that, that it wasn't like that. And, but just knowing if you start and you start building that brand, whether it's a business brand or um, a personal brand, it will, it will take off. You just have to be consistent with it. I genuinely believe, like I said, it's one of the fastest ways to change your financial situation um, and to promote and excel at like propeller business. Sorry, I got my soapbox there because I just like really want women to be like, yeah, I want more money. I want to grow a business. And I'm going after it. Yes. I am on the same page as you <laughs> for that. I'm motivated by money for the most part. And yeah. I don't care. Like I know that that's, that's going to get people to be like, Ugh. but it's like, I'm sorry. That's what motivates me for the most part. Like, and like doing what I like to do. Sure. But like at the end of the day, it's this financial freedom. And that comes very deep rooted into my upbringing coming yeah. from a very poor upbringing. And that's just who I am. I own it. But to your point, this is a really interesting concept that I believe the future of sales is your personal brand. And I'm not talking about the future of sales just as like if you're a salesperson, but your brand is going to get you higher salaries, financial freedom, whether you're doing sponsorships or podcasts or what have you through social media. But in like five to 10 years from now, people and probably closer to five, people are going to be looking at your social footprint and making decisions based on that. Like how much they're going to pay you, what's the role you're going to have. And I just think it's completely important. And so for me, I spent 10 years, I started my own business, which I ended up selling. And during those like five to 10 years that I was doing that, I was I was dedicated to building brands for Fortune 500 companies. And in the beginning of 2021, I said, it's my year to build my own brand. And I took all of what I was doing for the Targets and the Walmarts of the world and doing them for myself. And I've already had so much opportunity, so much increased financial benefit because I have put effort into my own brand. And it's 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 going to be a huge thing in like three to five years from now. 
Yeah, 100%. I really agree with that. And I think like, you know, just being able to own that and say, yeah, like I want, it's my time now to invest in myself and invest in my brand. And that will stay with you. And it's like that compound effect, you know, which kind of happens with, um, let's say like pensions, like you're investing in like your, what do they call it? 401ks here, whatever you call them. And you're investing it and that money like adds on that, you know, interest gets added on to that amount and then it starts snowballing in those first few years with slow growth. But after that, it really starts like propelling forwards. And that's what happens with social media. It took us so long to get to a million followers. But then after we hit a million, it was like, zoom, like it just kept going up and up and up. And so like those, I always think about it like a plane. Like the energy to get a plane off the ground is so great. But like once it's in the sky, like that fuel consumption like lowers drastically. That's like social media and personal brands. Like you start building it. It seems like it's taking freaking forever, but it really pays off. It really does. This has been such a great episode. What maybe tell the listeners a little bit more about some of your courses that you guys do and your podcast so they know where to find you. Yeah, so first of all, our podcast is called The Boss Babe Podcast. Real simple, real easy. One thing we like about the podcast is to go where no one else goes. So we like to ask the questions that no one else is really asking and do different style interviews. So we just had Jay and Raddy Shetty on. And I was like, this is their like first like their first interview together as a couple. So I was like, hey, how do you guys work together? What does that look like? Just things that not really spoken about. And then like the hard things we had Mel Robbins on, who's like, she was like, yeah, I was basically an alcoholic. And just really like, I want people to understand like social media is amazing. It's so like the highlight reel, like podcasts are incredible. You find this probably too, right? Really getting into the depths. Like you got me to open up about my divorce today, right? It's like really getting to know the real behind the scenes of what happens. And that's how we built the podcast. So that's the Boss Bay podcast. And then one of my favorite courses that we've got coming out right now is Influencer School. It's dropping at the end of October. So it's really like recognizing that, hey, like influence is a currency and we need to be educated on this. We're doing schools and we're learning math and science. Great, but we're not learning how to build influence. We're not learning about what that looks like, how to create a niche, how to understand what a personal brand is. And then the tactics around like, how do you do these designs? How do people like change, like make their images look cute? How do they put presets on them? Like how do they do these, all these things that are just not being taught like how do you work the back end of Instagram to find out all your insights or TikTok or um, YouTube like we're doing all of that in there so people can build a career out of it because that's what we've done like it is a career and so I'll give you guys the link um, that you can sign up we're doing a free training on that um, teaching that's awesome teaching people on how they can do that that's going to be completely free um, and being showcased at the end of October so I'll make sure you guys have the link for that Great. Well, thank you so much, Danielle. You are one badass basic bitch. And it's been an honor to interview you today. (laughs) Thank you so much. This is so fun. (laughs) 